Hello again and welcome back to Podcast from the Edge with me, Peter Bruce. I've been both trying to avoid talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine on this podcast because there is so much about Russian brutality in Ukraine, but at the same time it eats away at me. How is it possible that a nuclear superpower can literally send in more than half of its army to subdue and literally eradicate a neighbor and South Africa, my country, can't see the outrage in that? All my life it seems. I've been waiting for America or Russia or China to invade another country on a truly grand scale, a potentially nuclear scale. Now for the first time, it's happening. Ukraine is different. Ukraine is war back in Europe on a scale not seen since World War II. It's where a huge military decides a neighbor is simply no longer worthy of existence and is attempting to obliterate it. So I'm very privileged to have as my guest today our Ukraine's ambassador to South Africa, Lyubov. Abravitova. I have to say, I feel great sympathy for her. She, she must have believed she was going to represent her country in one of the world's model constitutional democracies, only to see it sit back and stop barely a breath away from supporting the Russian invasion of her own country. Ambassador, you went to university uh, in the city of Odessa in the Black Sea, I, I think, a city now almost certainly a target in the coming weeks of naval, of Russian naval and air and probably ground attack. When you were studying diplomacy there, were there ever any lectures on what to do if you found yourself head of a mission in a semi-hostile country? Good morning, Peter, and uh, I'm uh, very grateful to be uh, on your platform and grateful for your sympathy and uh, for your initiative to speak about the Russian war in Ukraine. Um, I also asked my que uh, this question to myself, uh, whether in any other country in the Institute of International Relations you would be teached how to act in uh, the case of someone's aggression against your country? And the answer is no. Because uh, after the world have seen, the world was the second. And after we established, as we believed, uh, a very firm and trusty platform of international organizations and uh, of uh, international law, I think that uh, all the countries in the world are very accountable to these structures when it comes to violations of international law. So unfortunately, uh, the environment where Ukraine appeared today with start of uh, open Russian invasion, it's not something new that happened. You know that the war started in 2014 already, and annexation of Crimea is something that we we've seen for eight years before the open invasion started, and unfortunately, the international institutions and uh, the principles on which they are based were not able to stop Russia, to accuse it with one voice. And maybe that is why where we are where we are now. Because because we didn't take Crimea seriously. Yes. I see. I can see on Twitter this morning that you've had an exchange with the spokesman for 
um, our foreign ministry, Durka. Um, and you complained in a tweet, you said, hashtag talk to me, since the beginning of the Russian invasion, I did not have any requested meeting with SA government officials, 45 days. My people are under brutal attack of the Russians now. And you uh, accompany that with a video. The spokesman for foreign affairs, or for Durko, whose name is Clayson Moniella, he says uh, in a reply to you, Ambassador, you know this is wrong and undiplomatic. You met Durko diplomats on 3 March, head of Europe branch several times, President's International Relations Advisor, um, Deputy Minister, and he says we've made we've long made a request for the president to speak to your president, and you're not responding. It's difficult to know where the truth is there. We know uh, the government has claimed a couple of times that President Ramaphosa has tried to speak um, to President Zelensky and hasn't succeeded. Is he, as far as you know, are these attempts actually being made? Let me explain you. First of all, uh, I never chatted with uh, uh, Mr. Moniela. I don't know him personally and uh, never since the beginning of invasion himself initiated a meeting with me, uh, though I am yeah. always open to, to and quite flexible and uh, yeah. I'm opening my time to talk to all the officials. I just received the call from Virko that they are inviting me today to meet with the Director General at 2 o'clock, so unfortunately I will need to postpone several uh, important meetings, but uh, I definitely will uh, go for this meeting. Uh, I never complained. And if my uh, message and my tweet yesterday looked like a, compla uh, a complaining, yeah. uh, it is not. Uh, I called on South African government to talk to me. And when I say that I didn't have any engagement with the governmental officials, I mean it. We did send a number of requests to meet with several ministers within uh, the uh, yeah. government. And we, as you can see, and you can follow it also from uh, their open sources, we never uh, were able to yeah. speak about the so war of Russia in Ukraine on that level. And I think it is very important, especially taking into account that uh, we are working on the telephone call between our presidencies. So my uh, issue is that in order our presidents to discuss the war in Ukraine, I'm here to brief South yeah. African government about Ukrainian perspective uh, of what is happening. And since I didn't have this opportunity, uh, I feel it a little bit uh, complicated to put talking points for my president for this discussion. According to Place and Moniela, have you met the head of Durko's European branch several times, he says? And I presume he means since the invasion of your country. So uh, I would not want to argue the tweets of Dirko okay. officials. We did have a meeting with uh, Mr. Bottas before invasion started. Okay. On my 
request, on the request of the embassy, when Russia was building up its military presence on the borders, and yeah. this is, was the issue uh, that was discussed, that we wanted South Africa to intervene and to be aware about 100,000 uh, yeah. troops of Russian Federation on our borders. And what was discussed is that this is a real threat, and it was, and we see that um, it's really broken through to the open invasion and war. So that's why we were yeah. insisting on that meeting. Um, I, I'm aware that after we requested the meeting with the, um, Her Excellency Naledi Panzo, that she requested that this meeting would be um, held by um, DM voters. And the uh, we are waiting for this meeting still. Uh, on the second day of uh, Russian invasion, uh, I did meet with uh, the advisor of the president. Uh, and during our conversation, I was informing her on what was happening. And I requested the meeting with the president. And I never heard from anyone since that time. Okay. Okay, and so you basically since then, since late February, um, uh, you've had no meaningful contact whatsoever with the South African government. You see, what we mean, South African government, I mean the uh, ministers within the presidency. I mean the ministers within the government, the uh, DIRCO itself. Uh, it is in touch. We are talking on the phone, uh, which is not official conversations. We are providing officially uh, notes, verbals. This is how the diplomacy works uh, with the latest developments that are happening in Ukraine, with the latest statements of our government representatives. Uh, we recently invited the Speaker of the National Assembly of South Africa uh, to uh, come with a visit to Ukraine. That invitation came from uh, our uh, head of parliament of our of Verkhovna Rada of Ukraine. Uh, the reason for that was the uh, casualties and atrocities that appeared after Russians left Bucha, and my uh, head of parliament was. Uh, emotional enough to invite uh, many uh, representatives of the parliaments of the world to come and see on their own eyes. And did the, did the South African, did the head of the South African Parliament reply, respond in any way? Uh, no. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're saying that what you want is ministerial contact, you want high level contact so that you can brief. Uh, President Zelensky um, ahead of any conversation that he might have with Presidents or Ramaphosa. Am I, have I got that right? It's not uh, the uh, practice and diplomacy that you're briefing your uh, President before you are um, proposing the telephone call. Uh, I need to make sure that South African side is yeah. aware from the first hands about what is happening in Ukraine. It is 
important for yeah. both presidencies and president to to have this information. Yeah. It's not something that you can put in the note verbal when you are sending it. You understand what I mean? Well, not, not, no. Let me re let me rephrase the question. I mean, w were you surprised by South Africa's initial and continuing position of you know they might like to call it neutrality but it's it, there's it's not quite neutrality i mean it's russia is an ally in BRICS. um they have a great understanding and an old regard for russia the anc does um that has has the attitude surprised you i've been quoted on a number of times initially in the beginning of invasion uh, that uh, the embassy and the ambassador was puzzled, uh, which I was. I think that I uh, understand uh, the uh, desire of uh, South Africa to keep possibilities to talk to both sides. When it comes to the humanitarian issue, to the humanitarian uh, resolution that we have, uh, that we had, then this is something that I uh, find difficulties to understand because um, it is the humanitarian uh, catastrophe yeah. that we see today in Ukraine, on the borders, in the neighboring countries. And uh, even though some of the countries may be not in the position uh, financially or through the humanitarian assistance to support Ukraine, uh, at least we have to be able to accuse the party who uh, does these atrocities uh, in what is happening. When you, after Crimea, after 2014, what, in your own mind as a, as, a, as, a, as a Ukrainian diplomat and as a Ukrainian citizen, in your own mind, have you been in a semi-state of war since then? Yes, of course. Mm. We've seen 14,000 Ukrainian people killed by Russians since 2014. And yes, when you are in Kiev, I'm sorry, when you are in Kiev, you don't uh, are, uh, sitting under the shelling at that time, 2014, 2015, 2016, but the war is happening in your country, in your big country. You have uh, internally displaced people, yeah. more than one million, who are feeling themselves attached, who ha have their families, uh, relatives, friends, who stayed on the territory that was uh, occupied by Russians. And they were receiving uh, very uh, painful news yeah. every day. You are the part of this. You are feeling uh, that is. Uh, not something far from you, of course. And and can I ask you? Uh, you 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 went to university in Odessa. Uh, is is it a part of the? Are you from that part of the country, or where's your family? Where are your people now? I grew up in Odessa. I graduated from uh, the school in uh, Odessa region because my father was a military man. So we mm. lived. Uh, 15 kilometers from uh, Odessa, from Odessa. He would have been in the Soviet military in those days. Um, so he was in the Soviet military uh, before 1991. And since 1991, he was 
uh, swore in as a U- Ukrainian uh, military person. So uh, since that time, we've been living in Odessa. I graduated from the university there, and uh, I started my diplomatic career in Odessa in the representation of Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Odessa. So I'm a career diplomat with experience over 19 years. Yeah. And is your, do you still have family in Odessa? Uh, my parents are here with me. I'm a single mom. Oh, good. Kids, small kids. Yeah. They have helped with me with children. And my brother is in Odessa. He is 38. And uh, today he is uh, defending his land, his motherland there in Odessa. Yeah. So it's very, it must be extremely worrying. What? How do you how do you fix ambassador? You are a career diplomat. You know how to do these things, I presume. How do you fix what's obviously now become a really quite bad relationship between your embassy and this government? Um, whether it's a country to country thing, one doesn't know. Clearly, um, President Zelensky is not in any hurry to take this telephone call that he that President Ramaphosa claims to be wanting to have with him. Uh, first of all. As you correctly mentioned, I'm a diplomat. And everything that I am doing here is not to make these two countries far away from each other, but to bring them together. Not make it worse. I don't um, think that the relationship between the embassy and the government are bad. And my tweet that you just voted is about that, is that there is a lack of dialogue. Yeah. I respect truly the government of the country which is hosting me. As you know, I spent here already five years working hardly to bring Ukraine and South Africa closer through educational projects, through science and technologies, through um even political dialogue. We were very uh, happy that last year, in October, we had the very first since 25 years conversation between two ministers of foreign affairs. And it's a big work yeah. that stands behind this. Um, I think that um, I must, if I allow, to correct you about... Please do. Uh, Ukrainian president being not in a hurry to talk with South African president. It, it's not true because uh, diplomatic um, procedures and protocols that are standing behind such uh, telephone calls are also something that takes time and bureaucracy. But unfortunately, it is not just the telephone call during the peaceful times. This is the telephone call that is going to happen during the war of Russia in Ukraine. Our ministries and president's presidency is working under the shellings of Russia. Sometimes they're hiding in the um, anti-missile shelters. Sometimes they don't have connection. Sometimes they just trying to save and all the time trying to save uh, someone's lives. It's not an easy task now to organize the telephone call, though we are working on that, and I'm sure that it will happen. Although it was interesting and and amazing in a way to watch 
both um, Ursula von der Leyen from the European Union and then British Prime Minister Boris Johnson walking the streets of Kiev um, with your president just the other day. Um, I mean, a visit must take a lot longer to organize than a telephone call. Um, and it must have been an enormous, um, not relief, I suppose, but I mean, it must have been quite encouraging for you as a Ukrainian to see that happening. Uh, it is not only encouraging. When we see this united support of our partners, when we see how they are acting and providing us with all the forms of assistance, how they are trying to help us to to sustain our sovereignty and our territorial integrity. Of course, that gives you a lot of courage uh, everywhere in the world to be a representative of your country. Uh, yes, I think that uh, it, it was a very brave gesture uh, from uh, Mr. Boris Jones, but also by from other uh, officials who recently visited Kiev. And you know that it is not safe. And you know that uh, even our cemeteries being mined, it's not safe to walk. So that shows um, and sends some very strong political and personal message to Mr. Putin. Don't you think so? I would have thought so. I mean, just what do you think? And it's, we're all speculating. And what do you think he wants to do? What does Putin want to do? Does he just want to secure the East, or does he want the entire country? Does he want you simply not to exist any longer? What is, what, what is his? Uh, you, you know, you're at war with him. Do you know what he wants from you, or for you? Uh, I know definitely what he wanted. He wanted to get Ukraine under control of Russia, totally. But uh, unfortunately, now anyone has an answer to the questions that you just listed. And that is why I, I think, I believe so, we see so many countries that are still trying to abstain themselves from the war of Russia in Ukraine. Because no one can predict how far this person is going to go. And uh, I believe that his reasons that he had initially, because the original invasion plan aimed to, to seizure the key of Kharkiv, Odessa simultaneously in three days, and it failed. And now it's absolutely different plan, which no one is aware of. And the use of nuclear weapon is something which is on the plate and we cannot uh, exclude it. And that is why it's so important for uh, all the countries of the world to, to act. We are all in danger now. What more do you think that the... Um West can do the the economical sanctions that have been imposed. They are working and doing their thing, but they will not achieve uh, the goal in short term period. And uh, Ukraine today is half destroyed in some places. We need to protect our people, our cities, 
we are not asking to come and fight with us. We are asking for the military support, for the equipment and weapons, and we will fight back. We will defeat, and there is no doubt in it. So we need more assistance. We need assistance for those people who being internally and externally displaced today, those who became refugees. The world still can do more. Every every country in the world can do its small input. If you got the weapons and you are getting some, people claim that you're getting some, can you beat this guy? I'm sure we can, of course, because we are fighting for our existence. We are fighting for our land. We are fighting back. We are fighting on our territory with the invader. It's not when two countries announce the war against each other, then it's very difficult to predict the outcome. This is one country came to another country, as you said, with half of its uh, military arsenal to defeat it, to eliminate, to argue the existence of the country itself, just to look at the statements, listen to Mr. Putin just before the invasion started. And then it's very clear. But because we are fighting back on our land, if we have enough of weapons, I'm sure we will be able to defeat. There are a lot of disagreements within the army of Russia itself because no one really was told the real reason to go to fight in Ukraine. And those people, they are also thinking and they are understanding that uh, the reason is not that was declared. It was, it was not the um, Russian campaign to denazification and uh, demilitarization. Ukraine at something else. And now when you are trying to get more Russian people, uh, more Russian soldiers, I think that uh, their mothers and their families are also starting to uh, read more, to understand more, and to think, why should... Yeah. Uh, well, it's quite so obvious, isn't it, that, that the Russian public is being lied to by the state-controlled media and... and probably doesn't know as much as the rest of the world knows. I just wonder, this will wrap up now, Ambassador, but I just wonder, one, you're fairly confident that this conversation uh, between Presidents uh, Ramaphosa and Zelensky will happen. Um, uh, are there, uh, as you know, obviously nothing like this ends without a discussion, without some kind of deal, or it just can't happen. So diplomacy has to you know, happen at some level. Um, are, 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 is Ukraine ready for diplomacy yet? I mean, this, you know, the Russians are in a large parts of your country. I mean, you would require them to go away. Um, do you need to, do you need to beat them out of the country first before you talk or, or can you talk while they're there? There can be different scenarios and obviously because we already had uh, a lot of uh, negotiations with the uh, uh, Russian side, even though they were continuing to shelling us and uh, uh, to fight uh, with Ukrainian army on the ground to make atrocities with civilian population, we were still 
showing to the world that we were able to negotiate and we were ready for negotiations. We speak about this and continue to speak that we need to sit at the table of negotiations between the two presidents, President Zelensky and President Putin. Uh, we do believe that under the pressure of uh, our partners, Russia can and will withdraw its troops from the territory of Ukraine. Uh, if it's not the case, of course, we will be fighting back just to remove them from our territory. But I uh, am, as a, a professional diplomat, uh, I strongly believe that negotiations, real negotiations, though that ones that are aimed for the uh, long-term and long-lasting solution are possible when you don't have a gun at your head. That means that Russia has to withdraw its troops uh, from Ukraine to provide a ceasefire, and then the real negotiations which bring us to peace uh, and uh, the security will will come. Uh, Ambassador, thank you uh, for your time, and it's been a great pleasure to talk to you and to, um, um, yeah, just listen to y y you. And um, once again, you know, I want to just appreciate, uh, express my horror at what's happening to your country. And and um, yeah, thanks for very much to Ambassador uh, Bravitova for your time. And I'm sure most South Africans wish you well in your efforts here, and that you're able to clear the enemy out of your country. I'll be taking a short break from the podcast and we'll meet here again in early May. Bye for now and take care.